Let's humanize the workplace. Oh, I'm so excited about today. I was just talking to uh, the next guest speaker, which I'm going to introduce later on. But hi, my name is Vivian Aqua, and I am the host of Let's Humanize the Workplace. And even though we're going to be talking about a serious subject, I also just want to know that it's important that I have fun during these interviews. I enjoy during this interview, and it's also important for me to um to help my guest speaker become at ease because we're having a conversation live it's a normal conversation and uh but it's also a needed topic that we need to discuss so i was just chatting with her and just pronouncing her name correctly so that's why i am a bit um yeah a bit energized from that uh conversation but what do I do? I am Vivian Aqua, the workplace wellness advocate, and I help organizations and managers with keeping their team members healthy, happy, and safe. And before I'm going to introduce my um, yeah my guest speaker of today, I'm going to show a few slides. So please bear with me so that I can show my slides. So today, if the topic is relevant for you or if you feel like uh, you want to share with others, please do share, but also share the love. And in the meantime, because I really have to check on LinkedIn and see if everything is working. Can you hear me correctly? Can you see me? Can you see this live broadcast? Because I always have to check if everything is working. So I'm going to look at my screen and see if I am live and see if you can hear everything. Hi, Robert. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Love and peace. Thank you, Robert. Robert Smith. So my name is Vivian Aqua and I am based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. And I'm curious to hear where you are based. So if you're watching this episode, hashtag team live and also share uh, where you're watching this from? Are you watching it from Asia or are you watching it from the States or are you watching it from Ghana, where my roots are? Um, where are you watching from? And like you just heard right now, if you share a comment, I will do a shout out for you just to make you feel warm and welcome, but also uh, make you feel included, right? Because I cannot do these interviews. I cannot do these live sessions without you. But also know that when you're watching the replay, uh, please tag me in it when you're mentioning a comment so that I can look back because LinkedIn is not always making it easy for me to uh, to see the comments. So I have to go uh, back from time to time. So when you're watching the replay, uh, tag me or tag the guest speaker, uh, guest speaker, guest speaker, uh, so that we can start. And for today, I have, um, I normally do a short post and this post is all about the post from um, Gabrielle Union who shared something about her husband. So I'm going to make it a bit larger. Now I'm going to make it like this. So I'm going to read up the, the words so that you can see that I'm looking away. So Gabrielle Union shares something about the memorial um, the memorial for Kobe Bryant and her husband was speaking. And this picture says everything to me. It does everything to me. It says also something about what I'm doing with as a workplace wellness advocate, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I'm going to read it out loud. Our children are always watching us. Are you changing the world for better? Or are you, are you showing the love and respect to all? 
Are you centering the needs of the most marginalized among us? I'm trying. We are trying. We can all do better. Sending so much love and light and healing to whoever may need it right now. You are not alone. You might be yourself, be by yourself at the moment, but no, you're never alone. And this message touched my heart because uh, sometimes when I um, am advocating as a workplace wellness advocate, it can feel like I am alone. It can feel like I am alone advocating for something. But uh, since I'm doing this, these live sessions, um, I've been receiving so many messages from people who feel inspired. I've been receiving so many messages from companies who want to work with me, who want to um, uh, help their employees or at least let them know that they care about their employees. And one of the reasons why I do what I do has all to do with Orlando, my son. So Orlando, at the time, he was three and he's a tall boy. Um, he's turning seven this year and I am doing the Let's Humanize the Workplace movement. I'm creating this movement because I want, by that time that Orlando is an adult and when whether he's working for somebody or he uh, becomes an uh, employer or becomes an entrepreneur himself, that's all up to him. But at least by the time that he's grown, I want to pay, I want to do something that makes the world a better place for him, for his generation, and of course for the generation of now, but we have a long way to go when it comes to humanizing the workplace. So that's why I'm doing these interviews to inspire you, but also to inspire your colleague or your employer or your company to do better. I know that there, there are so many companies out there that can do better, and I believe that they can do better. So that's why I am uh, doing these lives so that we can all create a humanized workplace. We can all create a, a workplace where people can thrive, where people can bring themselves, the, their best selves, and don't have to hide behind a mask. So uh, with no further ado, I want to bring up the following guest speaker. That's Farah, Farah Harris. Yes. And I'm going to introduce her properly. So Farah. Yes. Farah Harris is a licensed therapist and a workplace wellness advocate, just like me. <laughs> Her mission is to help individuals and organizations to decrease symptoms of stress, burnout, and elevate their emotional intelligence while improving morale and esteem to create a healthier work environment. I found my, I found my co-ally or I found, yes. you know, I found a sister all across sister. the states. She lives in Chi-Town, so Chicago, and welcome, Farah. Thank you, Vivian. <laughs> I love how you say my name now. Yes, I'm allowed to say her name in Dutch. I've been struggling a little bit, so uh, just the last minute, I found a way to say her name in Dutch, and it resonates with me, though, so, Farah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So let's let's get into the first question. Yes. What can we do as human to normalize mental health at work? Well, Vivian, what's funny is that we actually talk about mental health at work every day. We mm -hmm. just don't realize it. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking around the water cooler or drinking coffee with our colleagues and we're talking about our 
family members, you know, our parents who are having onset dementia or a mom that's coming back mm-hmm. from maternity leave or someone who just lost a family member um, or dealing with teenage angst because, you know, working with teenagers can be a problem. Like all these things are mm-hmm. actually mental health issues because they are stressors in our life. They're life circumstances that cause us to adjust. And we just talk so much about mental health in a very illness you know, point of view versus mm-hmm. wellness, understanding that life is mental health. Every circumstance yeah. we deal with is life. So to normalize it is just being better educated at what mental health is. True, true. I also wanted to say a shout out to Mary Jane. Mary Jane is my podcast co-host. So hi, Mary Jane. And Robert Smith is watching from the Netherlands. And when you're saying that people are sharing you know, what's going on or the, the challenges that they have in their life. Sometimes people don't feel safe to do that. Yes. And I think it depends on how they're coping. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what's part of normalizing is recognizing that we have shared stories. Mm-hmm. If, if you have another colleague that is a parent, then you know that there's some stories that you can kind of swap, you know. Oh, definitely. Oh, man, I remember when little yeah. such and such was doing that. And it becomes a more safe space when you realize that your story is not one um, in isolation. You know, mm-hmm. so when we share our frustrations of, of, of child rearing, if we share our frustrations of even a reorganization can you mm-hmm. know, add stress on, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, if you're, you're being bought out by another company, these things become more normal because mm-hmm. it becomes shared experience. But um, I also wanted to add something in, but doesn't it help when companies don't know how to start this conversation? Because there are some company cultures where this, what you're talking about isn't normal, is new, or yeah. people feel afraid to uh to share it isn't it helpful for them to start with a training where they can at least know each other not you know not bear the challenges that people have but know each other on a personal level as in humanizing as as in knowing what makes you happy but also what makes you maybe a bit sad yeah i think it really depends on there's there's the employer, you know, the organization's mm-hmm. culture as a whole, but then mm-hmm. there's also like micro cultures, you know, based off of the, the different teams that you're in. Mm-hmm. So to your question, your earlier question about how do we normalize mental health? One thing is that we usually talk about our life experiences without using the term mental health, you know, mm-hmm. we're just talking about whatever we're talking about. And the term mental health is what usually creates this roadblock. And so to your point, being able to have someone to come talk about what it looks like holistically, Mm -hmm. um, the benefits of talking about it with each other, the benefits of having a manager or a leader be vulnerable and a little bit transparent so that they know and uh, highlight for the team what is not necessarily expected, but what is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people like if I do any times type of group therapy um, or even when I do presentations, I like a call and response. Um, maybe that's a church thing. You know, I like people to be. <laughs> I love that. I love you know? that. It's a church thing. Yeah, I love that. you know, but it's it, and you know, and maybe it's a cultural yeah. thing that you know we mm-hmm. talk back as black people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Definitely. You know, but I know that everybody's like that. 
Mm-hmm. And so I usually say in the beginning of my presentations, like test the water. Mm. You know, if the water's fine, come on in, swim with her, <laughs> her laugh, you know, you know, high five yeah. me, whatever. Yeah. And if the water, and sometimes the water is perfectly fine, but people still like to wade by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. Yeah. So I think it's really important as an organization to not force people mm-hmm. to create, you know, fake cohesion. You know, give them the time, give them an opportunity to observe, but be the example. So <laughs> be the example so that they can, you know, be able to recognize like, okay, you know, my boss does this and it seems authentic. And then you I know, love that. Bob do I that. love that. And yes, I love authentic. that. Maybe I'm gonna try to do that. And so yeah. doing that helps to then if you're scared about the health of your aging parent, you're not afraid to now share taking time off of work, maybe mm-hmm. needing to work remotely. Um, without your manager questioning you on the decisions that you're making to make sure that you're taking care of, you know, your personal matters. So stuff like that, you know, is important. Um, But again, it can go from a micro to a micro level. Sometimes the macro organization is on par and you just have this one manager Mm. (laughs) seems to be outside of the culture that can frustrate a team where they do think that it's not okay, that it's not safe to share my life experiences, AKA the things that can affect my mental health. Definitely. Definitely. We'll get back to the manager later on. So (laughs) next question. Yes. So what, you, you shared a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. about your son, and I can connect to, um, you know, I have two boys and, and a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but what made you get into the work that you're doing, and why do you think it's important? My um, along the way, so, the main reason why it started. So when I was pregnant at the time, I endured pregnancy discrimination, and um, there were questions asked, like, "Was it planned?" And at the time, I couldn't answer it. Um, I did not know what to do with it, but I knew that I had to stand up in a, in the right way. So they planted a seed or that manager planted a seed within me without me knowing that I'm standing up for others. In this time of age, I see uh, burnout levels. I see stress level, but I see also disengagement increasing hmm. enormously and if I can play, when I can play a small or a big or a medium part in the increase of that, that's that's where I want to go. And like I said, I want, by the time that Orlando is an adult, I want the BS that people are dealing with. So BS is bullshit. And I want the BS that people are dealing with at the, at the moment mm-hmm. to be non-existent or to be minimized, yes. minimized to a level that it is human. I want people to be people. I don't want them to work in a place where they have to fool themselves to be able to work. So we have a comment coming in. Yes. Marjolaine, who is wow. definitely, she, she has been a guest speaker. She she will be coming there. But Marjolaine is a fan. So thank you, Marjolaine, for the love. <laughs> I also have to peek on, on, on LinkedIn because, wow, I see a lot of people commenting. So oh I'm going goodness. to say hi, Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte Smith. And hi, Mary Jane. And Robert Smith is sharing. It sucks. I, but I have to start my life shift. I'll watch the discussion later on. Very okay. interesting subject. So good luck to you all. Thank you, Robert. And Thank definitely you. reply to us. I'm curious to hear what you think about this episode. So yes, thank you. 
Wow, love it. Um, getting back to, I want to humanize. I mean, when I, I dreamt of doing this, I did not know what the title was, but this title came towards me after I had received so many messages about uh, my manager is not de is not uh, taking me seriously. I am being bullied. Uh, there was a woman who was facing pregnancy discrimination. I was just like, where is the love? Where is the human factor? And that's why I came with Let's Humanize the Workplace. And that's where we are now. I mean, this is the 20th episode that I'm seriously doing. And I am beyond proud, beyond amazed yeah. of what, what's happening. It's necessary work. Definitely, definitely. So coming back to the managers. Yeah. What can managers do to stop workplace bullying? Well, if the if the bullying is happening mm -hmm. in the team, you know, by mm. a, an individual within the team, you have to yeah. nip it in the butt. You have to address yeah. it immediately. Because yeah. uh, you have to let the rest of the team members know what's tolerated and what's not tolerated. Mm -hmm. The problem is that sometimes the bullying is coming from the manager. I just wanted to share that. Yes. And if that's the case, yeah. then HR needs to do exactly what I would suggest the manager do, which is nip mm -hmm. it in the bud, address the situation so that the team, the employees know what is tolerated and what's not tolerated. And I would encourage both the manager and the HR person, depending again, if it's the if it's just an employee that's being the bully or if it's the manager mm -hmm. being the bully, to lead with curiosity, to be able to ask. Uh, the question to the the individual, like what's happening? Because sometimes the person is bullying because they're this is how they're relieving stress. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. have something going on at home. They stressed out. They don't have control wherever it is outside of the workplace, and now they're using this displaced anger or frustration, you know, on an individual. And if that's the case, then you know maybe it can be remedied. And so I kind of say, you know, when we're dealing with bullying or toxicity in the workplace. You know, if it's a if it's like a, a cold virus or something like that, sometimes you can go give some antibiotics and mm -hmm. fine. We definitely need some antibiotics in this you world. You know, definitely. but then there's sometimes yeah. where it's a yeah. cancer and there's no yeah. antibiotic that yeah. can fix it and you have to cut it yeah. out and you know, and which means termination and remove the the person, the individual that will, you know, create, you know, a ripple effects of toxicity. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to share because bullying can be can cause uh, so much damage to towards the the victim, right? Yeah. Um, for those of you who are going through this, know that uh, you can always reach out towards uh, Farah or towards me. But know that there is hope. There are places that know how to treat people. And also, what kind of advice would you give those who are facing? bullying right now because if the manager isn't isn't doing anything or is yeah. it does not have the power to do anything or hr yeah. is listening but not, not doing, doing anything how well, can you how can we encourage them to have the hope well i usually encourage my clients my, i have mm -hmm. a name create safe spaces and unsafe mm. places yeah and that means that everywhere you go you know whatever it is you know uh Two, two feet around you in a circle, that that's your mm -hmm. safe place. So 
um, you know, making sure that your your desk, your your car, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, that you are creating that space that you want. So whether it's music, whether it's you know essential oils, whatever that may be, um, and that, that's what I'm talking about on just on the personal level. When it mm-hmm. comes to then the interaction, um, don't internalize an external narrative when you're mm. bullying or being bullied. There's a belief system that maybe something's wrong with me. You start questioning yourself. You start feeling down about yourself. And it's even worse if you were bullied as a child. Mm. And it's sad that we're even having this conversation because this mm. is, you know, what we're trying to teach our kids. We both have young children. This is what in schools. You know, there was kindness week at my, my children's school, but then we're adults and we still have to learn how to be nice, how to be kind. Like it's a bit sad and ridiculous, but this is the world that we live in. So to your point, you know, this is the charge that we have as, as women who are trying to advocate workplace wellness is how do we individually, you know, address these issues and how do we address them collectively? So if you're being bullied, it's not you. It's Don't internalize that external narrative of something being wrong with you. Um, if you can protect yourself, sometimes it, it's sad that the, the best protection is to leave. Yeah. You can go, go, mm-hmm. uh, run fast, don't look back. <laughs> Forrest Gump, run, right? Right, right. Just, just, you know, you were running, <laughs> you know, just keep running. Um, but in the experience, though, I would always advocate for you to document, 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 Mm, journal, journal, journal. If you can go to see a therapist to process what they had experienced. Because there is, there is grief within that, right? And also what I, what I wanted to add in, find an ally, find an ally within the workplace. And if there isn't an ally within the workplace, then find an ally outside of the workplace, because what Farah is sharing sharing regarding um, internalizing what other people are sharing about you, which is untrue, it can damage you and it can haunt you towards beyond. And I'm sharing this because I've been through that. Yeah, I've been through that. So I also wanted to share uh, Mario Lyme, who is an avid supporter. So humanize the workplace and minimize the bullshit. I think Amen. I'm going to use that as a as a tagline. <laughs> Amen. So let's see my questions. I'm doing all at the same time. So Amen. the next questions. Yeah. Okay. So from your experience, mm-hmm. what are the biggest challenges that managers face? Because in the work that you do, mm-hmm. when they ask to, when you're asked to be brought on, what is it that managers are saying uh, that they're struggling with? They're struggling with keeping their team members um, in the company because they have been challenged to um, to live to live up to a certain target. And if they don't live up to that certain target and the team members are leaving in the meantime, how can they li- fulfill that certain topic? So um, when I'm being called, it's more or less about how can I keep my team members and how can I attract new team members? And also how can I connect with them? How can I, can I connect with them so that they feel supported and so that I know that I can lean on them as a manager? I think that's so important yeah. because, yeah. you know, I know of personal experiences 
Um, I'm going to try to keep as many people anonymous <laughs> as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. um, You know, there was a situation that the manager was so disconnected from one of their top uh, performers mm-hmm. and he ended up leaving. And yeah. in that exit interview, they kind of almost had a heart to heart. And this individual said, I may have wanted to stay if he had been to me before the exit interview, what yeah. he was like at the exit interview. Yeah. You know, that's maybe, why it's it's so important to so important. sometimes to to maybe just plan. You we all have our smartphones, we all have a calendar. Plan those time where you do your uh periodic conversation yeah. and just ask how are you because yeah. if you see that something is off or if you notice it don't wait to the last minute towards that person becomes sick or that person becomes uh, withdrawn <laughs> yeah true yeah. true yeah true yeah it is um it is especially now in this time with war for talent but also building a team becoming one it takes time and every time somebody leaves it leaves a a hole in the heart right which you have to fix or which you have to take care of and replacing that hole with a new person is also taking time so why not invest you know that love that you have for the team invest it build it yeah i sometimes say it seems like uh globally team building is dead because we don't emphasize anymore about team building. It's all about the onboarding. Let's bring the talent in. And after 90 days, what are we going to do? After 120 days, what are we going to do? So I say, where is the love? Yeah. Not only for onboarding, but where is the love to um, to give the, that employee or your team member the best experience so that when they leave, at least they know that they have been taken care of, and at least they can talk positively yes. about your company, about yeah. the team, the person. And you never know what, where, how it can end up in a positive way. Yes. But, I mean, I love that you said the, the whole time factor. Mm. You know, there's so much time lost by mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get the team back together, you know, yeah. with now this new person. And it's yeah. almost like a family. I know that people don't always like that example. It is. It is um, a family. No, no, no. It is. Whatever it, it, it is. is. Maybe a business family. A but business it's family. Yes. And, and there's research that shows that I believe on average for a blended family, it takes mm. seven years for <laughs> you to get to that like homeostasis when all is well. Yeah. And that's on average. So it could take yeah. less or it could take more. So think about that times whatever in a company where if it's a revolving door of talent, how much time is it going to take for now the team to regroup and then to regroup? And then Not to- only that, you get, you get, um, how do you say, you get a reputation. reputation because people are going to think, why is it so that every month or every year or every uh, half year, somebody's yeah. leaving? There yeah. must be something with that something company. Wrong. Yeah. 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 Next question. Mm-hmm. Can you share because this has to do with the um, with Kobe's the loss of Kobe Bryant? Mm-hmm. Um, can you share because I saw this as a post on your timeline? Mm-hmm. Can you share why it is crucial to filter and disconnect, especially when it comes to hashtag girl dad or maybe some other hashtag was happening which can yeah. affect an employee or a person? Yeah. So, you know, we all have our smartphones. We all have 
multiple social media accounts. And sometimes we know too much. Mm. Current events can be almost assaulting to our mental health. Yeah. And so again, back to my line, create safe spaces and unsafe places. Sometimes you have to create your social media world mm. a safe place. And when the hashtag girl dad came out, I mean, it's a positive hashtag. I mean, there are yeah. beautiful threads, beautiful posts of people, uh, dads sharing their you know stories about their daughters or their daughters sharing their stories about their dads. But mm -hmm. it's also very triggering. If mm -hmm. you have recently lost a parent or your dad yeah. passed away, you know, some time ago, or you have a tumultuous relationship with your dad, it's 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 unhealthy, it's it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. Or you maybe have never met your father. Seeing these posts just, you know, you don't even realize how jarring it can be. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then if people are talking about it at work, um, you know, you may feel like you you have to remove yourself from conversations. Uh, so if going to your phone messes with your mental health and it's negatively impacting you, then I suggest filter it out. There's ways mm -hmm. to you know, set up your filtering so that everything that says hashtag girl dad or maybe it was the me too, you know, hashtag or something going on with that you can yeah. remove it. Um, or sometimes you may just say, Hey, this week, I think I'm just going to do a, a, a social media fast and yeah, not get online just so that you can rest to not be mm -hmm. triggered, to not be irritated. Um, you know, because it can create anxiety. It can create, um, and it eats up energy. It eats up energy eats without energy. you even realizing that. Yeah, so well, it's yeah. great to be in the know, but sometimes yeah. you don't need to know everything. You know, especially yeah. if something is very popular in current events, they'll replay things over and over. <sighs> I hate and that. Again. I don't always like that. Yeah. No. So you know, for yeah. those in the states, you know, we remember nine eleven, and mm. sometimes you just have yeah. to walk away from the television. Yeah. And the Kobe thing is is so sad. Um. So even myself, like I didn't watch the memorial live. Um, because I just was like, this, this is such a heartbreaking situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I rather be able to get sound bites yeah. and, and, and pick yeah. and choose and have more control of mm -hmm. what is being given to me versus, um, feeling out of control because it's always just flowing through my timeline. I have to look at our timeline because there, there are so many reactions. So Caroline, who was a, a recent guest, mm -hmm. she says, this is great in theory. However, so many people who, who have been bullied have told me that it's extremely hard to legally prove bullying, especially by management. I agree. I agree with you somewhat, Caroline. Um, therefore, many people are forced to go off sick or leave. And it's extremely sad. No, re really, it is sad. It yeah. is sad. And also what she's sharing, yes, bullying often moves the playground to the workplace. The problems and dynamics are often similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mary Jane Roy is sharing, I just had this conversation with a friend tonight. Thank you, uh, ladies, for sharing this. It's really appreciated. And um, let's go to the next question. Mm -hmm. How do you see wellness advocacy impacting um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and, and that initiative. Mm -hmm. So when I look at uh, wellness advocacy, I think it's the most important thing is that we want people to bring their best selves, to be their best self, and to breathe their whole self. Yeah. That is essential when it comes to diversity and inclusion, right? It is also a, a, a platform where people can be themselves, but, but they can see themselves. If you are the only person 
in a company that has a hundred people it, and they're sharing something about being diverse or being inclusive, it's affecting in a way their mental health. It's affecting in a way of them feeling included. It's affecting in, in the way of uh, being going for that particular job because they don't see uh, they don't see their beyond their own horizon because they don't have any role models and it's affecting you know in so um, it's affecting the, the employees at so many levels that's also one of the reasons why I want to bring back from time to time I want to bring back the topic diversity and inclusion because it's so important for people to recognize themselves yeah. in the workplace and to see the potential of the company but also the potential where the company can uh, can bring others right yeah. and uh, in all layers let's mm -hmm. be honest and let's be clear in all layers mm -hmm. i want to see that representation in all layers because um there was a time that there was only one black woman oprah mm -hmm. for me in the netherlands on television on, uh, unless you're a singer mm -hmm. and um i want that level to be broken it is broken now but there is there is some it's still really you know some win a lot of window dressing Mm -hmm. And it needs to be addressed. It needs yeah. to be addressed. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can't address um, or how you can address workplace wellness mm. without bringing up diversity, yeah. equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, mental health falls into that. Like all of this integrates because to the whole name of your show, we're humanizing the workplace. So all aspects of us as humans, our emotional health, our mental health, our culture, our ethnicity, our gender, all of these things, we bring our whole selves to work. So we have to be able to feel comfortable moving from one topic to another because they all flow together. They all no, impact one another. Definitely. And also be respected, be acknowledged and be seen that we are different, mm -hmm. but it's also our different that pays that leads towards new clients, that opens new doors, that leads to creativity. Floors. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a lot to win when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And um, this is not the last conversation that we'll be holding, but I hope that within five years, there will be a different, there will be a change, a positive change when it comes to that. So know that um, next week I'll be talking to uh, Melissa, who I'm going to share at the moment. She is an advocate for Lean In in the Netherlands. Um, and next month I'm also going to be talking to a few people who are advocating for um, inclusive diversity. So I'll bring the topic back from time to time in Dutch and in English as well. So That's awesome. There's a yeah. question um, from Ian. Oh. Yes. A question in on LinkedIn. Yes, you can share it. Sure. It says, what if the organization you work for expects you to be constantly and expressively connected digitally and or in person? Ooh. I love this question. Ooh. I've written about this. <laughs> so you being you being on the whole time without even having to recharge yourself. I am saying this in a, you know, can you can you feel the shade? Can you feel the, the slightly undertone? Um, there is a time for us to recharge. There is a time for us to work. Of course, there are certain um, job titles or certain uh, responsibilities that we have in a, in a job, but we need to disconnect mm -hmm. to recharge ourselves and to become the best self. 
And the reason why I'm sharing this, look at what happened to Elon Musk a while ago. Look at what happened to Arianna Huffington when she overworked herself. Mm -hmm. And there is this, there is this way like work hard and I'll sleep when I'm dead. No, you're dying. You're, you're dead. You're dying in the meantime. And this is this is really true to honest that we need to pay attention towards um, towards how we spend our time. And there was this, um, I, I'm going to share this post after our live. There was this time where there is a pie chart as in work hard. Um, but this pie chart, the reality is that this pie chart is divided in working hard. Yes, we work hard, but we also sleep. We also eat. We also yeah. need that connection. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we we um, affect, that we do that ourselves. And um, I want to give the mic over to you so that you can, add, you can share, add into this yeah, question. Yeah, that's a great question because I think it speaks to the lack of boundaries. You know, mm -hmm. you have an employer or a, a manager that feels like they should be able to connect with you because, you know, we have these these wonderful little pocket computers that everyone, mm. um, you know, we are, I say that just because we're accessible doesn't mean that we are available. Mm. And so it, it just because you can text me, just because you can call me doesn't mean that I have to answer. Especially with the WhatsApp, with the blue, right. with the blue, you know, check marks. Right. We have all these things. And I mean, I have it where, you know, it shows that I've read your text, you know, with mm -hmm. my iPhone. Just because I read it doesn't mean that I need to respond to you right, right then and there because I could be doing something else. But these work environments that feel that um, in a way they have control over your time can become very toxic, can become very stressful. So a good manager should lead by example by creating mm -hmm. boundaries themselves to not um, invade a person's, you know, private time, you know, at family time, personal time, whatever. So no texting at 3 a.m. No texting at 3 a.m. If they're on yeah. vacation, no sending them messages. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is it is really invasive. And if you say it's okay, say, oh, I'm going to just send you something, but you don't have to respond. Is it true? Mm. You no, know? because then they're getting mixed messages and they're going to yeah. assume that they may get yeah. negatively uh, impacted in the review um, or something like that, just because they aren't always didn't reply. No, there yeah. is a, there are a few companies I think in Europe or maybe in the Netherlands that um, the the IT doesn't mm -hmm. allow you to send emails after a certain time. So after That's seven p.m., uh, the first time that you can receive a mail is uh, seven seven a.m. in the morning. So yes, That's so that to to prevent the people from you know reading mail because like I said, I know we're living in a fast economy. We know that especially when in the IT world that everything that you're designing today was already yesterday's news, and but sometimes we have to preserve the humans. Yeah. We're not robots. We are humans. We need time to recharge. recharge. We need time to connect with other people. Yeah. We need time to be ourselves and also to process whatever mm -hmm. happened during the day so that we can offload, right? That's yeah. unload, right? That's, that's so important. So, and another comment from Caroline. So she says mm -hmm. she totally agrees. I don't believe you can achieve full positive mental health without uh, diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. both are intricately linked and need to be accepted and addressed. Well said, Caroline, well said. So this, this show is on fire. I mean, we're, 
<laughs> Do you have a few moments to, to go on? Yeah, sure. Yes, okay. So the next question that I wanted to ask you, how can we improve team morale with emotional intelligence? I love talking about emotional intelligence. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it frustrates me that it's considered a soft skill because mm -hmm. we think of the word soft, we think of it as as weak or not. It's as a important. much needed skill. But it's a much needed skill, yeah. and not just for adults, you know. So mm -hmm. when you're talking about the future of, of the workplace, you know, that is my thought process too. If we can learn as adults to improve our emotional intelligence and teach them to our kids, mm. kids will eventually be working, you know, and becoming bosses and managers. So if they already have the skill set learned at, at a young age, imagine what our future can be. So like some of the best attributes of a person with high EQ is, you know, that they are great listeners, they're empathetic, they're self-aware, they're assertive, they're gracious, they're motivated. Who wouldn't want to work for somebody like that? Or grateful for the team, that? grateful for who they're working with, yeah. right? So when you have team members that are like that, when you mm. have a manager who is like that, it creates safety. Mm -hmm. It creates a place of vulnerability. Um, all we want to do is be seen and heard. So yeah. my manager and my team members are making me feel seen. I'm feeling understood. I'm feeling included. Um, you know, there's all this research about the importance of feeling the sense of belonging. Mm. At so improving and elevating your emotional intelligence, which I'm not sure why more companies are not investing <laughs> in trainings. And, and can you can you sell them? Can you can you? This is <laughs> invest, invest, invest in because it's personal. It's not just professional development; it's personal mm -hmm. development. Mm -hmm. Because the thing about emotional intelligence, it doesn't stop at the workplace. Mm -hmm. It helps you with how you communicate with a, your partner. It helps you communicate with your friends. It helps you manage your stress. It does all these wonderful. That's why I'm like, it's not a soft skill. It's like a superpower. It's a must, a must needed skill. I don't see any soft skills. skills. Yes, it's such a skill. Like yeah. I can learn to do Excel, you know, mm -hmm. at, at mm -hmm. some point. But I, I think you would want someone who has high EQ um, that can learn a trade or be trained for something else than having someone who has a certain training skill set but does not quote unquote play well with others. Oh yeah, we have seen a lot of those. And we've seen a lot of that. And there's always damage control that has yeah. to be done because yeah. usually HR, I love how you're talking about with the whole onboarding, mm -hmm. you know, when they're doing interviews, they're just looking to check off boxes but not thinking about, well, how is this person really going to play in the playpen? Mm -hmm. You know, is it just only performance or are we really thinking about the person, uh, the, the personalized aspects of, mm -hmm. of working, you know, together? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so you want someone who's empathetic, who's a great listener, who's, like you said, gracious and kind. These are the skill sets. These are the uh, characteristics of a person with high emotional intelligence. And if you have a manager that has this, they're mm. not going to allow passive aggressiveness. They're not going to allow belittling. They're not going to allow bullying. They're not going to allow gossip which mm -hmm. is a kind of low EQ, you know, yeah. they're not going to tolerate that, but they are going to be kind enough to sit with the person who may be struggling with their emotional intelligence to hopefully help motivate them, to mold them, to challenge them uh, to do and be better. So, I mean, you want a team um, and a team lead who has high EQ. Awesome. <laughs> I am screaming from the inside. Like, Yay. this is so amazing. This is so amazing. So you shared something about this, but I'm going to 
add in. So just just ask the question and okay. I'll add in. <laughs> okay. What are the top three things employees want from their employers? So you shared being valued, mm. being seen, but also another thing, being able to grow, have the opportunity to grow and excel as a human being, as a person, and being supported in whatever path you want to endure. Um, the question that, you know, once an interview, once you're doing an interview, a job interview, and I hope that, that there are recruiters watching and otherwise tag the recruiters who are watching. So the question that people ask is, where do you see yourself in two, three, five years or four years, whatever? And I don't hear the other question like, okay, you see yourself as such and such. How can I support you? Mm. How can I make this happen? How That's can I good. help you become that person where you want to see yourself? Because when you ask that question to me, you're, you're making a uh, connection and to me. You're taking me serious and not seeing my answer as just an answer, but seeing my answer as a potential for me to grow within the company. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, that's, so that's really good because I don't, I don't know how often the employer sees themselves as an intrinsic role or that they play an intrinsic role in that. Well, now they do. Now they do, especially now. Now they do. Now they do because they, this there there is a new dynamic, right? There is a dynamic mm-hmm. where there are more jobs, mm-hmm. less people. More jobs, less qualified people. Yes. More jobs, more opportunities for employees. So. If you want to create loyalty, start with asking that question and start providing and providing, you know, uh, the soft skills training or the training where you can personally develop people. Start with the talent in-house so that they know that they are taken care of instead of looking outwards for new talent. Because Mm -hmm. by the time that your talent, new talent becomes in-house talent, it will take time. So pay attention towards share you know provide the love or the business love because i don't want to create a new me too provide the right attention towards your talent in-house because the last thing that you want to do is create a hole within the team within the company last question Hmm. what's your hope for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and mental health Hmm. I hope for so much, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I am excited that these conversations are happening more. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my concern and hope is that we can move out of the theory and actually mm-hmm. put things into practice. I think there's a lot of conversation around mm-hmm. mental health in the workplace, workplace wellness. Um, you know. But what are we really doing? What are we implementing? What is actually creating change? So I hope in five years that it becomes less lip service and more actual, you know, boots to the ground. We're actually implementing something and creating change and that it becomes more the norm than the exception. Yes. Let's walk the talk. It's time to walk the talk. So there are a few comments. Um, Mm There was a recruiter watching. Hi, Peter. <laughs> Take that in with you. 
let me know how how it came out yes. if it was helpful and also a friend of mine Rachel Bodisnit is watching so thank you Rachel for the support and I have to say almost goodbye to you so please stay in touch but I want to have a big applause for this lady Farah yeah. Harris thank you it was if, if the time flew, right? we, were, we were having just a conversation and it was just like, okay, we, we already passed the 48 minutes. So mm -hmm. I want to thank you. This is not the last time that I'll be talking to you. Maybe do a collab with Caroline mm -hmm. or with other people, because like I said, we need to stop this. Like you said, we need to stop the slip servers and, and uh, start uh, taking action. Luckily yeah. there are companies that are, uh, creating a safe environment where people are trained as mental health officers so that yes. at least that if you're going through a, a challenging phase that you can at least go towards those people and they can help yeah. you or yeah. provide outside help. So kudos for those companies. I'll, next time I will try to find those names to, to share because there are best practices out there and know that there are workplaces that humanize the workplace. So thank you, lady, for joining this session. And it was thank a you. pleasure for having this conversation with you. So I'm going to hide you, but we'll talk after the after the broadcast. So um, I have a few, I'm going to hide this lady. I have a few things that I have to share. So about tomorrow, tomorrow will be a Dutch episode about the pay gap. Um, it's for the Dutch people who are watching and uh, it will start at 3 p.m. Central European time. And on Tuesday, I'll be talking to um, Altje Vincent, who's going to talk about the candidate experience. This is the wrong thing, but she's going to talk about the candidate experience. So the next time I will share the right, uh, the right image. And next week, Tuesday, I'm going to talk to Melissa Romero, who is the uh, one of the co-founders of Lean in Netherlands. So we'll talk about Lean in to shape the new definition of leadership. So thank you for watching this episode of Humanizing the Workplace. And if you're watching the replay, please let me know. Let me know what you think of these episodes. And if you have a, another topic that you want me to address, share them with me so that I can, you know, invite the speaker or maybe invite you the next time. So thank you. And let's all do our best to humanize the workplace. And like uh, Mario Line says, humanize the workplace, minimize bullshit. Thank you for watching this episode. And until next time, my name is Vivian Aqua, the workplace wellness advocate. And connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions, just let me know. Bye.